Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show. I think we, we have to dispense with as much of the pre-show or, or the early show distractions as possible so that you can make it to your flight today. Well, that would be good. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to put the hammer down and go to strap mode three. Oh, well, in that case... Okay, Luke, so we're going to go strap mode three. Strap mode three. We need to pull a gap. We need to pull a gap. Don't ask questions. Just execute. Or we could do this one. Okay, Lewis. It's hammer time. No. No. It's not hammer time? It's not hammer time. No. Okay. Anyway. So, yeah, we're just going to jump right into it, and away we go. So, first off, Jolian Palmer got himself a job. He did. Well, you know, he lost his seat in F1, so his unemployment was going to start to run out here, so he had to get hired by someplace. Well, you know what happens to um, fired F1 drivers who tend to underperform or who did underperform during their career in in Formula One? They get a job in IndyCar? Either that or they get to comment on Formula One as experts. (laughs) (laughs) Because now they know everything about Formula One except how to win. Ooh, burn. Well, that was always Cothard's reason for why he was a better commentator than a driver. But he but he won races. Yeah, never the championship. Never the championship, but he won races. Same with Mark Webber. He won races. He he uh, performed well but didn't win a championship as opposed to Julian Palmer who didn't necessarily perform well on any kind of a regular basis. Sorry, Julian. But – his new job is but he's he, cute. If you say so. <laughs> <laughs> um, he has a face for podcasting or radio. <laughs> Either well, one. He is now on Five Lives. Uh, he is coverage. He is part of their their uh, Five Live commentary team, joining uh, Jenny Gao and Jack Nichols, which I assume means that Jenny Gao will be back on the team full time. Because she missed a lot of races last year, but she seemed to do a lot of stuff with ESPN. So I don't know how that's going to shake out. Well, since ESPN actually doesn't have coverage now, they're outsourcing well, Sky's coverage. But one thing that you're missing is that ESPN does cover Formula One fairly decently on their UK site. So she last year she was doing a lot of videos alongside Maurice Hamilton, um, not Lewis's dad but a different Maurice Hamilton, an F1 journalist, she was doing a lot of videos uh, for ESPN's UK site uh, for pretty much every week. She was doing two or three different videos. So ESPN does cover Formula One, just not from their U.S. side. Yet again, proof we're in the wrong country. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, if you go to, as opposed to going to ESPN.com, if you go to ESPN.co.uk, one of the sports that you can select is F1, and there is reporting that goes on throughout the year on that. I've gotten some good stories from ESPN.co.uk. But that's the key thing. you got to go there for the Formula One stuff, not the U.S. side. Correct. Okay. So other things happening. This past week, we got word that Formula One is having conversations with the organizers of the Russian Grand Prix to try and make the the racing better. Ah, so we're going to get, we're going to try to improve boring in Sochi. 
Pretty much. So according to Alexei Titov, who's the CEO of Rosgnaki, or, or Rosganki, I'm not sure how it's pronounced, maybe Rosganki, um, they're the ones who are responsible for promoting the Russian Grand Prix. He says that there, there's ongoing talks, they're moving along, but what he says is that fans know that because of the layout of the Sochi Autodrome, it is a bit short on overtaking. That is why we are working with Charlie Whiting, the FIA, and FOM very closely. We want to change the situation by making some small technical tweaks. You won't necessarily see these from the grandstands or on the television, but we hope these, twe these tweaks will improve the sporting side of the races and we will have more overtaking. Theoretically, it could be anything from widening or narrowing some parts of the track to changing the asphalt, which will affect the tires differently. This can force teams to use different tactics. Um, now, he doesn't think that these things will be in place for 2018. They're exploring some ideas, but we, I mean, obviously, if they're changing out the asphalt, that's not happening this year. They'd have to completely resurface the entire track in 60 days, and I don't see that happening. Well, you know, if they're trying out new ideas, I'm sure Bernie is suggesting sprinklers. Either that or, well, actually, I was going to say he was going to suggest tearing out the track, but no, he likes Vladimir Putin. Maybe that's that would be what Bernie would suggest. Get Vladimir Putin more involved in the race. What, as like a stanchion they have to drive around? Last place driver gets executed. Oh, that. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to Stalin-like tactics. Um, I vote for sprinklers and seagulls. Seagulls, huh? Yes, remember Vettel is a. But that was in. Lover? But that was in Canada. Was it in Canada? That, that was Canada seagulls? was the seagulls, followed by last year Mercedes trying to recreate that scene uh, in the days before the race with um, cones, traffic cones. <laughs> well, see, that could easily be exported out to Russia. I mean, it, they can, they can try it again, um, or. We could hearken to some of the things that are happy and joyful from these Singapore races and have man on track or possibly giant dinosaur. Giant dinosaur, I think, would be more likely, more likely. But, you know, man on the track is not a unique thing to Singapore. It has happened, I believe, at two other races, including I think it was in Germany. See, the Mark Webber or Jensen Button talked about it and named a guy who was a disgruntled Mercedes employee who ran onto the track. Yes. It must have been Mark Webber because I don't remember that from the Button book. And um, I didn't, on your advice, did not read Webber's book. You, you're not missing anything. Not missing a thing. No. Much like his race career. Ouch. Ooh, it's the burn show. <laughs> this. <laughs> Again. Julian Palmer, not anywhere close to the same level as Mark Webber. No, no. They are not at all on the <laughs> same level. Wow. So it happens when my flight's delayed. Oh, was that it? <laughs> Thank you, United, for causing Trisha to be mean to Julian Palmer and Mark Webber. I'm this is United United Airlines' fault that Trisha is being mean. I'm only getting started. Just <laughs> oh, bring man. it. <laughs> there is oh, more man. Formula One snark coming your direction. <laughs> okay, well, 
the FIA has stepped in and is trying to remove doubts about customer teams getting um, second-tier engines from their suppliers. I saw this headline, and I was really excited when they talked about trying to correct the inequality. So apparently there's already pieces there's there's already wording in the technical regulations to ensure that all power units are physically identical by using a dossier system now i'm sure you know this because i know you've read it but you can find a dossier system under appendix four of the fia sporting regulations but you knew that already i keep appendix four in my back pocket all the time you You, never knew that already you never know when you have to pull out (laughs) appendix four of the sporting regulations well, I, mean, I just know that you're, you're that familiar with the sporting regulations that you knew. It's the technical regulations you're a little rough on. But the sporting regulations, I know you had that down. Well, I like to keep it in my back pocket because occasionally it comes up in meetings and I like to just whip it out of my back pocket, slam it down on the table, and mic drop out, out the room. Puma really appreciates when you do that. <laughs> the problem is <laughs> nothing about my job impacts Formula <laughs> One. And everybody kind of looks at me a little strange when I do that. But it always makes an impact. So there was a technical directive that was sent last month to the teams by the FIA that said that while the purpose of Appendix 4 and a dossier system, for those of you that don't know this, (laughs) is to ensure that all power units supplied by one manufacturer are identical in in all respects, the FIA has good reason to believe that this may not be the case. Really? Whilst the dossiers for each team may be identical, it would appear that some are being operated in a different way to others being supplied by the same manufacturer. It is therefore our view that all power units supplied by one manufacturer should be identical, not only in terms of the dossier for each team being the same, but we also feel they should be operated in an identical way. Wait, wait, wait. Let's nitpick this apart for a minute. Okay, because there's a little more here. <clears throat> okay, do you want to finish it and then we can Yeah, it? let me finish it first and then we can loop back. They said with this in mind, we will expect all power units supplied by the same manufacturer to be one, identical according to the dossier for each team. And unless a team informs us that they have declined any of the following, they should be two, run with identical software and must be capable of operated in precisely the same way, and three, run with identical specifications of oil and fuel. Okay, so what I'm seeing in this is not what I thought this was originally doing, which was okay. making sure that Ferrari wasn't giving Sauber last year's engine. No. But, in fact, saying, hey, Williams, you can't run the same Mercedes engine that the works team is running any differently than the works team is running it. Well, it's actually flipped that around a little bit because the allegation isn't necessarily that the customer teams were running those engines at different parameters. It was that the customer teams were being told by the manufacturer, by the works team, that they had to run them on older software or older specifications than what the factory works team was getting. That's the difference. Oh, I thought, because I had thought that and some other portion of the sporting regulations, that it was allowed that, for example, if Williams had a partnership with a different fluids manufacturer. Well, that's the next thing, because we remember, we just had the, the two and three preceded by, unless a team informs us that they have declined any of the following, they should be. And here's your following again. 
one is identical software mm -hmm. and two is fluids. So a team can turn around and say, yeah, that software keeps blowing up on the works car. We want to run the older software because we think it's less likely to blow up. They can do that. The same thing with our fuel partner is Total and not um, uh, Mobile oh. One SO. So we're running different fluid specifications. They can do that. But the team gets to do that, not the manufacturer of the engine. Okay. So the manufacturer can't specify that their customer has to run at a different spec. The customer gets to make that call. Okay. But it doesn't eliminate the last year's engine phenomena. Hmm. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so moving beyond that to the big news of the week. It is car launch season. It is. And we had several car launches this week. I'll work through them in order. But the car launches this week didn't exactly go as planned for a couple of teams. Are you talking about Toro Rosso? Uh, I'm, I'm going to be talking about more than just Toro Rosso. They weren't the only ones that had things not go quite as planned. But we're going to work our way through in the order that they were launched this week. Okay. So the first car that was launched this week was Red Bull's RB14 with a very distinctive and striking livery that isn't their race livery. It is a one-off race livery. Okay. Yeah. So Christian Horner explained this. And, and I'm going to use his words. We're going to quote Christian, and then we're going to try and unpack it. No, we're going to try and unpack it. So, okay, what he said. Knowing we, we were running all of our development and processes earlier to meet this launch, we felt that shift had to be reflected in the livery. Hence the digital disruption you saw on the RB14 at Silverstone. It was good to have the first few laps of 2018 under our belts, and now we look forward to the first test in Barcelona next week. That is Christian's explanation of this one-off livery. Okay. Um, I'm going to do the translation from Horner to English. Okay. Our graphics team totally and completely ran out of time, and thus we had to pixelate some portions of the car because we don't have what's going to go there. We hope to have it finished and ready when it hits the track in Barcelona. We're crossing our fingers. I, I think you're, you're close. I don't think it's so much pixelate as much as we knew we could throw this together in about 30 seconds. And if we say it's a one-off thing, we don't get in trouble with anybody because we're just going to put it on for, for now while we can actually figure out what the hell we're going to do. Well, he did use the words digital disruption. Which, oh, is that it? So yeah. that's why you you went that route. I, I, I went with the literal Horner to English translation, which digital disruption does translate to pixelated. Okay. I'm, I'm just suggesting. Now, the, the initial response that a lot of people had on the internet was, actually, this looks kind of cool. You should do this. And, of course, Red Bull said, no, one-off means one-off. We're not doing this again. Yeah, their, their art designer, their lead designer was on vacation for a period of time. This was done by the art uh, department's intern. They're not going to give him any credit for this, yeah. this design. 
Um, but what it does feature prominently, as we expected, is the Aston Martin logos and Aston Martin wings. Um, from a technical perspective, we're not going to get too deep into it because the reality is we're not aerodynamicists, so we can't do that. But I stayed in the Holiday Inn Express last you did. night. You so. did. Last night you did? Well, yeah. Okay. Is that why you got up early? <laughs> <laughs> moving, moving beyond that, though, the the big unifying comment that I saw was that the amount of rake, which Red Bull is known for, and, and rake is how much higher the rear end of the car is as opposed to the front end. The amount of rake that was seen on the car would, seemed to be rather extreme, mm -hmm. even for a Red Bull that's known for this kind of stuff. Outside of that, there was a lot of talk about how it didn't appear that they were taking a lot of risks. Um, but what Red Bull did was they revealed this as part of the filming day they were doing at Silverstone on Monday. They had Daniel Ricciardo come out. Um, he showed up at the track in an Aston Martin, driving an Aston Martin with a very, very similar wrap to what the car ended up with. Oh, you mean another digital disruption? Yeah, just didn't have the, the sponsors on it. But the same color with the digital pixelated pattern on it. So we had that, um, and it was also they, – they took it out. It was, a, it was The weather was kind of crappy over in Silverstone. Um, put the car on wet tires so they could do their filming. They're, they're limited in the mileage and speed that they can do. Um, and this was the first unplanned incident of the week of car launches. We had three. It turns out that Daniel binned the car. Well, it was a one-off. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, he had an incident on the track. Um, he lost had control. an unfortunate yes, he, incident. He had an incident. Um, <gasps> he put it into the wall, uh, damaged some components of the car, and they did not get the full filming mileage out of the car. Um, I was also watching, um, actually, Red Bull, their Red Bull spy, who frequently comments on the various goings on on the team did a little article about his reaction to seeing the car on out on the track and how it ran. Um, he greatly minimized the, the incident with Daniel on the track. But what he did say is that they brought the car out onto the track comes out. Of, he Daniel comes out of the, uh, out of the pits goes and runs the first lap and he checked his watch and he checked the time and he looked at uh, one of the other mechanics and goes, that was an installation lap, right? because installation laps are supposed to be kind of slow, and you're like, yeah. And he, Daniel ran another lap, and he checked the time, and he got really excited because they were putting down some killer lap times in the wet. And he was all excited. This looked like this was going to be a great season, and then somebody told him that they were only running half the track. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. I mean, I realize it's a one-off livery, and there's some unique, newy-style um, aerodynamics that are on the Red Bull car. Mm -hmm. But I found that it was a big risk for them to slap a pair of Aston Martin wings on the side pods so that it could flap around the track. Remember, Red Bull gives you wings. <laughs> exactly. In this case, Aston Martin ones. <laughs> Oh, was that the little cartoon car in my head that I just pictured? Oh, Pretty okay. much. Okay. Pretty much. So then we moved to Tuesday. Tuesday was the, the launch of the Alphab and the Renault. 
Yes. So can we talk about the alfab? Well, that's where we were going to go first. Okay. Why don't you go and do your stuff? Or, or did you want me to talk about the one real notable thing that had everybody besides themselves over with the Alphab? Well, that the Alpha Romeo logos were all over the thing? Well, we expected that because they, kind of, they, they for the most part, debuted this livery back before the holidays. So we knew that, that the color scheme was going to look like this. And it does look really sharp. But the thing that everybody, and, and you had to see the bigger pictures in order to notice it. The thing that everybody noticed and, and, and picked up on was there are, is an aerodynamic fairing on the halo. Mm. If you look at the, the leading edge of the halo the, at, at the top, actually it's not really leading edge, but the top of the halo, there is a little bit of a wing there. Now, this is permitted by the current aerodynamic regulations, and the expectation is that teams will probably adopt something like this as we get deeper into the season. That's interesting that Sauber was the one to develop that. We don't know if Sauber is the one to, de to develop it. We do know that, that they were the first ones that we saw it on. Now, I, they do not have the low T-wing just before the tail, that may be something that would be coming later. We don't know. I don't remember the T-Wings appearing when we did liveries last year. Mercedes the, had it. The shark the fins showed up in the livery launches. Yeah. But I don't remember the T-Wings showing up until we saw it on track. So it was like something that they sh they tested on the track. Um, No, I mean, it's, it's Sauber. Yeah. You didn't have anything else? I thought no. you were... Okay. No. There's been a lot of talk that from the aerodynamic experts, and I don't quite understand why, they think that actually the aerodynamic design that we can see on this, again, knowing this is pre-launch, but what we can see on this, this they think is promising. Well, I mean... It and i got to assume it's more than just that one dent. It, it's probably going to go faster just by the nature of having the alpha... Uh, logo on it um, it will however break down more possibly okay so Renault next one was Renault and Renault actually what was neat about Renault I don't know if you saw this but depending on the angle that you look at the car you have to wonder you, well actually let me put it this way depending on the angle that you look at the car the car is going to be yellow or the car is going to be black yes I saw that but the <laughs> yellow that they picked I think they have to plug the car in now. It is a neon yellow. It is a very bright yellow. This is not the first time that Renault has run a yellow like this. Um, and actually, actually, I don't even know if it was Renault. It may actually have been Jordan. Mm. The Jordan Benson and Hedges yellow and black was a very similar yellow to this. Um, I used the word eye searing when I first saw it. It's striking. Searing. Okay. It's a different S word. I know you, you stopped at that striking, but it's searing, I think is the word. But yes, you're right. It's it's interesting. It reminds me more of a B than their other stuff. Yeah. So it's now it's it's now no longer Team Banana, it's Team Bumblebee. Possibly. Um but I did like the fact that depending on the angle, they really did do a decent job of 
look at it from the side and it's a black car look at it from yeah. the top it's a yellow car and that i thought was actually really kind of cool that they did that they did not use the interns in the art department to do a one-off livery. yeah so the initial reaction that i saw besides the well is it yellow or is it black um the initial reaction was um wow they didn't really do much and this is not looking like a strong thing um, it doesn't look all that exciting. It doesn't look like they've done a whole lot. Um, initially, their response was, we have testing coming. It's going to take a little bit. You know, we, we've got plans. But then Cyril Abitbull came out and said, no, 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 no. What you saw, these digital images, they didn't show the actual car, but these digital images are really just some minor tweaks to the 2017 car and was really just to show the livery. We haven't shown you what the car looks like. This is just the livery. Now, as we record the show, or a few hours before we recorded the show, the car that's being used for winter testing has hit the track for filming in Barcelona. I have not seen any kind of reaction to the looks of that car. Ah. But it has hit the track. Okay. Um, Renault has a new partner. They are partnering with Spain's top football division, La Liga. Okay. So there will be logos from La Liga on the car and on the driver's suits, and there's apparently going to be some other things around around that partnership that are going to happen. Some of which helps with that is um, Carlos Sainz happens to be a fan of uh, Real Madrid, which is a member of La Liga. Oh, well, that helps. So... That's a natural backing there. So that's the Spain connection to the French team. Yes. Well, it, Carlos was in general. Or if you go back a little bit further, it was Fernando. True. So. So then we hit Thursday of last week, and we had a double car launch. Well, we had a double car launch on Tuesday. We did. Um, before I jump into that, if you're on Twitter and you were not following Red Bull's Twitter feed on Thursday. Go back into Red Bull's Twitter feed on Thursday because they basically, using the Red Bull spy, ran live commentary of both the Mercedes and the Ferrari launch. Ooh. Yeah. And all of the various pictures and comments that came out of that. It was amusing. Okay. Um, not always flattering, but it was funny. Okay. Um, Mercedes was the first to launch their car. Um... A lot of talk also that look, looks very similar to last year's car. Um, they want to talk about how this is an evolution. Toto Wolf came out and said that he hates the halo, and if he had, a chain, had an option, he'd take a chainsaw and cut it off, to which a whole bunch of other folks said, but wait, the halo was your concept. So <laughs> um, the most notable thing, the, the two notable things that I saw, one was the talk and the evolution to the livery of the car, which... There wasn't much, but they changed the striping to, and they wanted to call this out, there were four stripes on the car. And the four stripes represent the four world championships. Ooh. So I just wanted to put that out there. Now, is one of the stripes a different color? Um, they're within the, the color scheme that they're using. So it's that blue and, and greenish striping that they've done before, like different shades of it kind of a thing. I didn't know if they did like three in one color and one in a different color for the three that Lewis got them and the one that well, the guy we don't talk about anymore. 
<laughs> Ouch. Um, okay, so I don't know if you saw some of the still pictures of the reveal and the unveil. But they I, had... saw, I saw the video. The video was actually kind of neat. I didn't watch the video. I just looked at the stills. So what it looked like Mercedes had done is, and I don't know if this, I'm assuming this is what they did, but what it looks like is they went to um, the garages in Silverstone, and they removed all the partitions, the length of the garage, and they set up the journalists at one end, and they put the car at the far end, and then turned all the lights off, mm. and started the car up from the far end and drove it down and as it came down they turned on the lights as so that the lights followed it and the journalists couldn't really get a good view of the car until it came close to them but it was this dramatic lighting effect as it came down it was kind of neat looking okay so not what i was going to talk about <laughs> yeah well uh, you didn't watch the video i didn't watch the video but there's a still out there of the car with Lewis on one side of the car in his race suit and Valtteri on the other side. Oh, of your the favorite picture? No. Oh. Um, Valtteri standing on the other side of the car. And it looked all for the world like Lewis was standing and smiling for the camera and Valtteri was checking out the rear end of the car. Much okay. like we saw many pictures of Vettel doing to the Mercedes a couple of years ago. <laughs> and it was like, <clears throat> I've seen some articles of Lewis talking about, you know, what's different in the car and, and different things about the evolution of the of the car itself. And it, the picture with that article in mind made me think, so Lewis had a bigger hand in this and I just showed it to Valtteri the, on Reveal well, Day. Well, keep in mind, Lewis hasn't driven the car yet. For the filming day, because they did the filming day as part of this, Valtteri was the one who drove the car. Lewis hasn't been behind the wheel, as far as I know. Wow. It sure looked like Valtteri had never seen it before. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's new to me, too. Wow, look at that. And then they sat both of their drivers on their rear tires. They did, and, and also we should point out that, that Renault released a picture of their drivers sitting on the front tires. <laughs> Very important. Yeah, with their helmets on their knees. Hey, you know, there are some tropes that just never change. Yeah. And then Ferrari, well, actually, before we get to Ferrari's launch, um, actually, no, let's, let's do Ferrari's launch first. Um, first off, Ferrari's video to launch it was absolutely awful. <laughs> Minute and a half video. The first, like, 45, 50 seconds of it, and the whole thing of, is, of course, this pul pulsing dance club type music going at it. But it's like flashes of something going around the corner of the track. So you can see the striped curb with a red filter on it and like a green filter on it. And it's like, okay, th this adds nothing. And then there was a picture of like Seb standing there in his race suit on a turntable and then a picture of Kimmy standing in a race suit with the ball cap on on a turntable and then there was more flashy lights and then like the last 10 minutes were of the car and I'm like I don't I, I know who your drivers are I know what they look like and I don't need to see random flashy pictures of corners I just want to see the car <laughs> don't make me wait a minute 10 just to see 10 seconds of your car well, they had white on the car, so it goes faster. No, they don't. I thought there was a white stripe. No. Well, th no. The the And I have to pull up the full picture. It is not the white like we have had in the past. No. no. 
It is very much minimized. The white has gone away because they lost Santander as a sp as a sponsor. Ah. Now they did get as a replacement. There is, or actually, I don't know if it's so much a replacement, um, but they may have figured out a way to let Philip Morris advertise on the car again. How? Now remember, technically the team's name is. I believe it's Scuderia Marlboro Ferrari or Marlboro Scuderia Ferrari. But Marlboro is technically part of the team's name. But because there's the ban on tobacco advertising, they can't say it. Just like they can't put Marlboro's logos on the team, even if they go and translate it into a barcode, put the barcode on a car. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. You get in trouble for that. They did that. Um, but apparently, Philip Morris has developed a line of tobacco products that they market as being smoke-free. Um, it's a partnership with, I guess it's ICOS. It's IQOS, so I'm assuming it's ICOS. Um, they say that the partnership will be exclusively focused on advancing the cause of a smoke-free world. Now, my understanding of what this stuff is is an ESIC. Oh, okay. So we'll, we'll see how well that goes over. But maybe they're going to try and go that route now. Since Philip Morris is dumping a lot of money into Ferrari and getting nothing for sponsorship anymore. And I still don't understand how, like, that marketing budget makes any sense. Like, how do you sit in a room and say, we're going to give millions of dollars to Ferrari, but they can't use our logo. They can't even put a barcode on the car to direct somebody to our stuff. And Ferrari's colors are red, so it's not like even using Marlboro Red is going to Well, I make think the that's what they have – you won't necessarily make the connection, but I think that may have been what they've done with the colors, that it's more of the, the Marlboro Red. I don't know. And by the way, the, now that I have the picture up, the white stripe is just on the very the, – the, what now passes as a, as a shark fin. Yes. That's where the white is, and there is a green and a red stripe as part of that for the Italian flag. Right. But that's the only white on the car. The rest is now all red again. Do now, go slower. The we know white makes it go faster. Yeah, there you go. The Ferrari was the other team to go and debut um, a bit of arrow on the uh, halo. Okay. So, yeah, they've tried it as well. Alrighty. So then we get to, to yeah, I, I got nothing else on, on the Ferrari. Sebastian Vettel thinks it's a step up, but I think he says that every year. Um, the pictures I saw of the launch is that Kimi and Sebastian, instead of wearing race suits, wore um, suits with the Ferrari logo on the breast pocket. Ooh. Yeah, whatever. It's red. It's yeah. Ferrari. It's not much more you can say. So then we got an announcement about McLaren. First off, we got word that they have now changed their fuel supplier. Last year, they were with BP, and they went to BP after they lost the the Mobile One deal to, to Red Bull. Uh, they have now dumped BP, and they have moved to Petrobras. Okay. Petrobras, we last saw, saw with Williams a few years ago, um, but when they lost—I think when they lost—what did they lose? They lost—I think it was around the same time that Pastor left. Petrobras went away. Okay. Um, and Petrobras completely left Formula One, but they are now back now as the fuel and fluids and lubrication and fluids supplier for McLaren. Okay. 
I know you're, you're, you're blown away by this. I'm bored out of my mind. So then we get to minor mishap number two of the three of the week of reveals. So there was obviously a whole lot of press over at Silverstone. The car was brought over to Silverstone on Thursday. Again, a whole lot of press already there for the Mercedes launch. <laughs> well, it turned out that, like I mentioned, that the weather wasn't great. It was, I think, drier, but the weather wasn't great, but there was a lot of wind. So the McLaren truck rolls up, big, huge lorry, like we normally see pull up at the tracks, pulls up, and they lower the, the back door of the, the truck to roll it out, and, and it's up at the top. So the guys are up at the top of the lorry, and they're pushing the McLaren out of the thing, and, and it should be covered. And they push it out onto the ramp, and the wind kicks up. And takes the grape with it. Not completely, but enough that it was very clear as to what, unsurprisingly, the color of the car was going to be. Because the car is, spoiler alert, papaya orange and blue, which we learned on Friday at the official but it's not the orange of last year. No, this is It is truly papaya. This is actually what this orange is. This is the same orange as was on um the Andretti Honda that Fernando drove at Indianapolis. That's the color scheme. It's that orange and blue and if you look back at the 6 at the 70s rather with McLaren, that those are the colors. That's where this came from. I was going to say this is Bruce McLaren's car. Yeah. Um now, Zach Brown commented on the color scheme and explained that the reason for going with the color scheme is because they listened to the fans. This wasn't as much as, yes, it was a nod back to the earlier heritage of McLaren and McLaren, um, you know, the, the orange and, or the papaya orange and blue is very much associated with McLaren in a lot of different series the reality was the fans have been clamoring for this for years. And Ron Dennis, Ron Dennis's response when they were talking about changing the color of the car from the silver that Ron was so attached to, Ron's response to the fans was, you want to pay me $50 million to be a title sponsor, you can tell me whatever color you want. And until then, go away. Mm -hmm. And last year, they got closer to going with this scheme since Ron was gone. And now Zach said that this is us listening to our fans, and our fans have been calling for us to bring back papaya, orange, and blue, and that's what we've done. Um, the thing that was most striking to me about this was the fact that the car looks kind of barren. Well, they don't have a whole lot of sponsors. And most of the sponsors that they do have were placed prominently on the nose, not elsewhere on the car. Um, so clearly this space for rent over at McLaren? Well, I saw that on the... The side of the car was the space for rent. Um, yeah. <laughs> your name here. <laughs> so Friday, Fernando took the car out for their filming. The first run ever of the McLaren-Renault partnership. And now granted, we've heard this before from Fernando, but Fernando came back apparently extremely enthusiastic after driving the car. Well, so at least not during driving the car, he didn't come back and go, this is a piece of crap. He seems to be fairly enthusiastic as to how this worked. Now, again, we're at that point in preseason testing where every single car is the fastest. 
and we don't really know, but. Well, I mean, this is the very most optimistic of the entire season. Um, but it not blowing up on the track is um, a sign that it could be better than last year. Well, there's that. McLaren also says that, you know, we haven't gone into testing yet. We have not run this car. The expectation that they have is that coming out of testing, but before um, they get down to Australia, they are going to put in at least one, if not more, substantial updates to the car. Whether that's aero, whether that's engine, we do not know. Renault has also said that um, they are working extremely hard to address the reliability issues that plagued them the last half of the year. Could be promising. Yeah. Um, so then we get to the other mishap from Friday. So Sauber was scheduled in Italy for their own um, filming day. Sauber thought that they were going to be a little cheeky. So, it was known that they were going to be there, but they didn't invite the general press, but some folks knew that they were going to be there. Sauber, you know, may, or, yeah, not Sauber. Uh, did I say start this with Sauber? You really did. I've been I meant, trying to figure out where sorry, you were going with I meant that. Toro Rosso, not Sauber. Yeah, they're nothing alike. Let, let, let me back up there. Toro Rosso had a scheduled filming day in Italy on Friday. And they thought they were going to be cheeky for this. They made it clear that they were going to be at the track, and this is what's going on. The press wasn't invited. The car was rolled out of the garage, and, and Toro Rosso posted on their Facebook page this video of the car coming out of the garage. But, of course, it was, like, pointing in a completely different direction. But, yeah, it was with the, here it is, first run of, of our new Honda-powered car, Video pointed off in a different direction. Off goes the car. Okay, great. So a little while later, they play the same thing again. Another part of the track. Sorry, you know, this is what happens when we have interns um, shooting the video. Let's try it again. And now it's pointed at the track, and the car go or, or it's pointed at the pit lane, and the car goes through, and you can see, like, an edge of a tire. The problem was somebody else was at the track with a fairly decent camera and got pictures of the car running on the track in the rain from the front and posted those on social media. Yes. At which point Toro Rosso went, ah, oh, crap. Well, here's an official picture. Yes, but there's still a picture <laughs> in motion where you can't see a whole lot. Well, it, it was basically it was the same picture as the one that was leaked to the press. <laughs> um the one thing I will note is there is that same fairing up on the halo. Interesting. But, yeah, that, w that was unplanned incident number three. Toro Rosso thinking they were going to be smart asses and then having somebody leak out anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, word from Brendan Hartley, and it was actually Pierre Gasly drove it, but Brendan Hartley was at the track for it. Um Pierre Gasly commented on Twitter, quote, trouble-free Jay, no joke. <laughs> okay. Now, this does not necessarily mean that they were running the engine anywhere close to full power. Well, and that's the thing. We did know that Hondas could run at half power. Yeah. So th this does not necessarily mean that they've made any improvements whatsoever. Um, there was also, I think it was last week, 
Um, Toro Rosso put up the video of the first starting of the engine in the car and an accompanying FAQ section. Now, the engine in the video started up first shot, and it, it sounded like a Honda engine, so it didn't necessarily sound better than anybody else's, but it was an engine. But on the FAQ, the last part of the FAQ were questions along the lines of, well, when you started it, did it blow up? No, it didn't. <laughs> well, did your factory burn down? No, thank you for your concern. I mean, it was... <laughs> Did it really start up first try? Yes, it really did start up on the first try. I mean, it was <laughs> oh my, yeah. So was that everybody that launched this past week? Uh, that is all of the launches that launched this week officially. Toro Rosso's launch is uh, in the pit lane on Monday. Okay. And Force India on Friday came out and said. Yeah, we're going to launch on, on Monday, too, in the pit lane. Oh, because, you know, why not? Well, it's, at some point, we got to show off the car. <laughs> <laughs> now, the other thing that broke with Force India this week is uh, London's Daily Mail ran a story that said that uh, a team was being negotiated with Rich Energy, which is not a power company. It's actually an energy drink. But a deal was being negotiated for Rich Energy uh, as part of a consortium to purchase the team from BJ Malia for 200 million pounds. Oh, wow. Um, and they said that this was because um, VJ was trying to free up some cash to further his efforts to fight extradition efforts back to India. Well, the team came out about two liters, or two days later and said, no. Mm. We're, we're, there, there was a conversation that happened months ago, um, but those negotiations ended about three months ago. The team is not being sold. It is not going anywhere. We, we are still here. We are still happening. We are still owned by VJ. Um, they did confirm that the car will be uh, the VJM, I think, 19... It's going to be a VJM as it has been in the past, um, but they have not confirmed what the name of the team will be yet or if they will do a change. It's funny because I was looking through the Formula One app mm -hmm. and, um, you know, just catching up on the stats of the drivers and the this, that, and the other thing, and I was scrolling down through the teams. Yep. You get to, Formula, to Force India, and the team is officially named in the app as Force India. Mm -hmm. But underneath their stats, where it tells you how many championships they've won, zero, um, how many podiums they've had, a few, and who their drivers are, is the logo for the team. And it's still the Sahara logo. It's the Sahara Force India logo. That, that's what's really weird, is, is that Sahara is still, in many respects, part of the logo. But no longer do I see it being called Sahara Force India. No. And I don't, I don't quite understand the little nuance of that. But it was the only one that the name and the words in their logo did not match. Well, let's, Wikipedia still shows the logo as Sahara Force India. Let's check their actual website at forceindiaf1.com. And it still says on their page... Sahara Force India Formula One team. So there you go. 
You heard it here, not first. <laughs> I I don't get it. They were supposed to cut that partnership. They're not getting money from him anymore. He's in okay, jail. So let's I, review. Force India has a title sponsor that's not giving them any money. Ferrari has a title sponsor that's, giving that's them not money. getting them any promotion. <laughs> that's not getting promotion out of them, yeah. Um, so something seems odd about both of those relationships. Yeah. So this week will be very interesting. The cars hit the track um, early Monday morning. We, we, the expectation is that Force India's car will be revealed around 8 a.m., uh, local time in Barcelona. And I don't know if that coincides with the start of testing or just that is um, they can open up the pit lane, they can do stuff around 8 a.m. with the cars heading out later in the morning. Well, the two things that are notable about that is that's about 2 o'clock in the morning, East Coast time. Mm -hmm. um, and secondly, it'll be the earliest thing that ever opens in Spain ever. You know, that, that, that's a very good point. What are they going to do for breakfast? Because we found that most of the breakfast places open don't open until at least well at, at least eight thirty nine o'clock. When you the, the greasy spoon we walked into at eight o'clock, they were a little surprised when we walked in at eight o'clock. Yeah, and it was a twenty four hour joint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now the fact that they had a full bar at the front end of the greasy. Well, yeah, there was that was... too, and and I think that they were able to serve at that point. Yes. <laughs> well, you never know when you need a little you know something something with your coffee. Hair of the dog. Hey, not us. We were s sober and trying to get eggs, but, you know. Yeah. Only us found a greasy spoon in Spain. Anyway, so that's all we've got. Please keep your suggestions coming for questions for predictions uh, for the show uh, so that we can incorporate them in if you've got something. It, it's gotten a little quiet. Um, also, don't forget... Share the show. We love that you're liking our posts. We love that, that you're commenting. But share it. Help us get the word out so that uh, we can corrupt more minds. <laughs> no? No, that's not so no. point, honey. Spread the word. Spread the word. Share the joy that is our love for Formula One. I'll put it this way. Our show is more fun and enjoyable to share than sharing political posts. Yes. And less controversial, too. See? And on that note, I'm off on a jet plane. Oh, I was going to throw one more thing in before you get off on a jet plane. How about it, it's more fun, it, it's almost as much fun to share our show as pressing the skip ad button on YouTube. <laughs> and now you can get on a plane.